Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to be going over the Packers losing in the NFC Championship round and Matt LaFleur's controversial decision to kick a field goal with two minutes left in the game. Following that, we're going to be going over some coordinator news. Henry Burris being named the Bears offensive quality control coach. Sean Desai uh, being promoted to defensive coordinator. And then we're going to be going over some of the other NFC North news. Matthew Stafford officially becoming available if there's potentially any room for the Bears to squeeze a trade in there. And then a report coming out from Jay Glazer saying that the Bears are going to be quote unquote big players in the QB market this offseason. To conclude the show, we're going to be going over our 2020 offseason grades, going over some of the moves the Chicago Bears made to create the team that we saw on the field that was ultimately pretty disappointing, and going over the and going over some of the high points and low points of the offseason. Thank you guys so much. We're looking forward to having a long and successful offseason. And hey, after we record the show, uh, it looks like the Bears might actually have a shot at Deshaun Watson. So next week's podcast, we're going to be going over that. Thank you guys so much and bear down. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bear Necessities podcast. Today, you get a little early morning edition. You know, maybe it'll be a little more therapeutic than filled with energy. Uh, But, you know, we're going at it. We're getting this podcast recorded right now. It's January 27th, uh, 9 a.m. I guess that's pretty early for me. Um, But yeah, so if any news comes out between now and tomorrow, uh, we're sorry we could not follow it. Reese, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. And, you know, I'm happy. I feel like we've been on top of the news for the most part. And, you know, I think this is kind of coming at a good time where, you know, I was even listening to our past podcast, and I feel like even a lot of the points we brought up in that one have become even more relevant, especially with the Jets and that number two pick. It really seems like they are going to be standing pat with Darnold and that, you know, they may may really try to flip that pick. So I think that's very much in the market and, you know, something that the Bears should probably be interested in along with, you know, the Stafford news that has evolved mm-hmm. and, you know, the Watson's kind of an ever going story and they throw in the wrinkle with, you know, Rogers. It's just become a real exciting off season real quick that, you know, at least the rumors are there and that's kind of like the first tipping point. And hopefully, you know, the news keeps coming on and hopefully some good news for bears fans down the line. We are witnessing a massive shift in the NFL where players are actually able to dictate what happens to them, not to the same extent as the N- NBA or anything like that. I think the NFL still has a, a good amount more control on their players than the NBA does. Um, but yeah, we're definitely seeing a massive shift right now. We're going to get more into the Matthew Stafford rumors uh, in, in a little bit, but let's start off really with the Packers losing the NFC championship. Man, I saw something kind of funny the other day. Uh, it, the Wikipedia page on the NFC championship changed to this is a yearly game where a team gets to beat the Packers. <laughs> I, yeah, I saw some other things that are really interesting as far as like the consistencies that, you know, last year they lost to the 49ers twice and, you know, lost to them bad mm-hmm. in the regular season and then lost them in the championship game. And of course, the Buccaneers beat, you know, the Packers pretty bad in the regular season, then beat them again in the conference championship. It's just, uh, it's kind of, it's very much like the Eagles with Andy Reid, where they kind of just repeatedly made stabs at it, but really just kind of found a way to to blow it. And, you know, a lot of it does come down to, you know, LaFleur and his decision making. I don't think you can blame too much of it on Rodgers, but they just didn't capitalize on the turnovers that they had. And, you know, they really just did not look quite as, you know, a lot of times when you watch the Packers play, you're like, ah, the team that they're playing against doesn't really have a chance, and they just didn't seem that decisive. You know, they they weren't mm-hmm. as nearly as lethal, I think, as you know we've seen in the past weeks, and it's pretty consistent to what we've seen in prior years. So, yeah, it's kind of an interesting ongoing joke, and of course, I know Bears fans always rejoice after that, and they kind of go, <laughs> ah, well, it's kind of kind of shitty that we have to, you know, rely on another team losing to give us our right. joy, but you know, that's how it goes. No, absolutely. And, you know, I I think that there is going to be a lot of Bears fans who were extremely excited seeing it. You know, I was, you know, I was happy about it to an extent. You know, I don't, I guess I don't really pay too much. For me personally, even though I'm a Bears fan, I don't really pay too much attention to like the Packers or get too involved in the Packers rivalry. 
maybe I shouldn't say that because I sound like a fake Bears fan, but like I, I almost like I don't see them as like such a rival. Like I, th- I feel like some people like buy into it so much. I, I see it more as just like another football team, I guess. Like they're like I don't want to lose to any football team. It's no more worse losing to them than any other one, uh, personally. Uh, but you know, I understand why it is, and and you know, honestly, I think that the big thing with the Packers, we'll talk about the game specifically, but having Aaron Rodgers has masked so many organizational issues that that team has. And like, like we look at back when Brian Gutekunst took over for the Packers and they've drafted some really good players. Don't get me wrong. They've drafted some really, really good players. Uh, you know, guys like obviously like Aaron Rodgers, David Bakhtiari, all these guys are really, really good hall of fame level players. But at the end of the day, it d- doesn't seem like they did it consistently enough to ever build a team around Rodgers. And outside of that, they always have had this weird thing where they just don't like to maintain players that much. You know, like they're okay with drafting a player and then letting him walk. Like, and that's good, but, and it's good to have this like consistent, you know, draft culture. But you have to do it really, really well if you want that to work out. And at the same time, it's hard for Rodgers because I can I don't think there's ever been a season where the Packers have went all in. I really don't. Yeah, not really. And, you know, they definitely didn't going into this year. You know, the draft that they had in 20, well, I guess 2020. Yeah, the 2020 draft for them was very you know, forward thinking. I mean, of course the Jordan love pick right off the bat really kind of set the tone. And I think that it's a good thing to do. And it it does seem odd that with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, that you would be having that, you know, future mindset. And and it probably has cost them, you know, at least, you know, a Super Bowl appearance or two. I don't know if they would have, you know, won them or not. I'm not going to try to give them championships based off of moves that they didn't make. But it's they have done some odd things, and you're right. I don't think they've ever really quite gone like, okay, this year is going to be be our year, and we're going to gear up for it. And and they kind of do need to make those couple extra moves because they're always just a team that they're a couple pieces short, and it kind of changes every year where their issues Mm -hmm. are. But you know, it's kind of like you can find a thing or two, and it ends up costing them. Just another team that you know, has a, a talent level that's similar to theirs, is able to just overcome it and constantly, you know, hit it in, you know, in the championship game. It was Bakhtiari being out. I mean, his replacement, I think, gave up three sacks. So, I mean, that's it's a yeah, game-changing kind of, you know, matchup. Yeah, that's massive for them, too. It's unfortunate for them that they were, they, that they lost Bakhtiari. But I, I guess I can't think of a, of a more worst-case scenario for this Packers team than what happened this year, especially like the front office, like putting pressure on them. Because when you look at it, the fact that not a single one of their their draft picks really were contributors in this game at all is going to drive Rodgers crazy. It's going to drive their fans crazy. And I absolutely understand them. This isn't the, you know, this isn't the freaking 1990s where you, where you draft and develop a quarterback. That era of the NFL is so far gone. And a lot of it is because these players, they're com- the, the NFL and college football has lined up so much over the past, you know, 10 years specifically, but like more intensely the past five years that the the ages of drafting and developing are just so far out the window. And and the bigger issue I have is you pretty much said that Jordan Love was good enough to risk not going to the Super Bowl. Because you I'm telling you if you add, you know, we we could talk about okay, round 1, add Jalen Johnson onto this Packers team instead of Kevin King and Kevin King was like the butt of every single terrible play. They're probably in the Super Bowl. You you yeah. add, you know, let, let, let's see who else. You add, uh, you know, a, a linebacker or a, a, another, you know, quality defensive piece to that defense in the second round. Again, good chance of going to Super Bowl. Add, you know, got like really good wide receivers like um, 
Uh, who 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 did the Steelers draft? I'm, I'm blanking on his name. The real fast guy. Chase from Notre Claypool. Dame. Yeah, Chase Claypool. Add Chase Claypool. I mean, it's a completely different offense. And pretty much the Packers this offseason, they said, you know what? We're good. And they punted on it. They also had plenty of cap space that they could have gotten one-year deals for guys. And, you know, they said, we're good. We're fine. We don't need to do anything. And they punted on it. You know what? I mean, it's honestly, it's kind of a general NFC North. They kicked the field goal with two minutes left in the game before the season even started. (laughs) Exactly. It hits on the big point that I feel like a lot of front offices within the NFC North are very conservative. I mean, the Bears are traditionally a conservative front office. You know, the Packers run the same way. And the Vikings are probably the ones that want to switch it up, you know, a, a decent amount, but they don't really ever mount anything. And the Lions are kind of just the Lions. <laughs> you know, you don't really need to get mm-hmm. into into them too much. But I, I think that, right, you can't be so conservative. In today's NFL, like you kind of got to pick your shots. You, you kind of, maybe you have a three or four year window where you really need to just exploit, you know, when you have good you know, cap hits, cap or like, you know, contracts, you know, just like the Chiefs right now. They're trying to capitalize mm-hmm. on, you know, catching everyone at the right point in their career. And, you know, they're trying to do some really good, you know, lucrative cap management to keep a lot of those stars on the team. But, you know, look at them. They've made it to back to back Super Bowls. They're really going all in on, you know, this set of years and maximizing Mahomes when he's at the top of his game. And, you know, the Packers and, you know, unfortunately, the Bears just don't really show that same, you know, want to go out there and and make and go all in. And, you know, maybe it's because not all the pieces are there, but, you know, they need to be more aggressive in going out and filling some of those gaps because, you know, we talked about all season long with the Bears with you know them not filling in certain voids that we knew mm-hmm. were going to be there especially when you know players like eddie goldman decided not to play and you know various injuries that happened early on i mean it, we could have you know the narrative was already spelled out yeah you know i think that it makes a little bit more sense for this at least the bears in free agency and the draft are aggressive you know, I understand they could be a lot more aggressive during the season. Traditionally, you're right. They just do not do anything during the season. They don't typically make trades. They don't typically, you know, go out and sign big free agents that get cut. They're, they're typically, once the season starts, they're done with the adding personnel to the roster, which can definitely be critiqued a lot. But honestly, this Packers team, like, I don't know. It just seems like it was way too passive and again, it's that it's the same thing with it. Matt LaFleur kicking with two minutes left in the game. A is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. This uh, Barstool Sports, actually, I was watching part of my take last night. This was the first kick for a field goal within 10 yards and less than two and a half minutes, less than three minutes, I think, since 2015 when the Falcons did it. When Lafleur was also on staff there, well, there like, you go, yeah, it it it's it's just insane. And and on top of that, oh, down, sorry, down th- uh, three to eight points, over okay. three points. So it is just that just shows you how insane that is. It does it did not make a single bit of sense. It just it doesn't make sense. And it also puts unnecessary pressure on the defense because Brady and the loaded Bucks offense can pretty much operate from a position of control from as soon as they get the ball. They don't need to be pressured to make downfield throws or anything like that. Like they 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 were fine. They they were just gonna operate cleanly. It is when people say it was a coward move, like Dave Portnoy said Matt LaFleur is the biggest coward in football. I, you know, I tend to agree with that because that that is the most insane thing I've ever seen. And the unfortunate yeah. thing is that, in a way, everything that the Packers, like the Packers, got a couple, like they had a couple decent off seasons that kind of led to this. You know, a couple good drafts, a couple good free agent signings, and now the Packers are twenty five million dollars over the cap going into next season. And they don't have a lot of wiggle room with that. Unlike the Bears where they could cut a bunch of players, the Packers really, they don't have that contract flexibility. So they're going to be losing probably Aaron Jones, Corey, Corey Lindsley, their center. 
Bob Tanyan, their, their tight end that broke out this year. Just a lot of these pieces that, you know, we're going to provide some good that, that led to this takeoff, you know, just gone. They might lose Adrian Amos, which, you know, it's a loss, but it's not going to hit them too hard. I think they'll live. I know Packers fans love them though. So yeah, that, that that's such an interesting that's such an interesting thing to me. I think it's because they had so much instability at that position prior to Adrian Amos yeah. and Savage that these two players just seem like insane to them, um, which I understand. <laughs> uh, but you know they're they're certainly not. And then also you have to think guys like Jair Alexander are going to get a new contract, which is going to break the bank. You know that's going to be a. 19 million dollar contract or something like that so uh, it's unfortunate if i was a packers fan i'd be pissed i'd be really really pissed with this organization and i think aaron Rodgers has just masked so many of the internal flaws and people want to talk about one thing specifically that people always bring up is uh or, or some conspiracies i'd say is that the reason why this kind of happens year after year and it's like the same cycle of insanity is because the Packers don't technically have owners. And because of that, their president, Mark Murphy, is pretty much, you know, they have a board, but he's allocated way more power than any other president. And he's almost like a dictator on the team. He's not going to get fired. People know he's not going to get fired. So it kind of leads kind of like the bears, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but exactly. our, our owners are okay with it. Um, but no, I mean the Packers, they had a good season. It's unfortunate for them that that happened. People want to complain about the pass interference call at the end of the game. I do not want to hear anything from the Packers. You look at the distributions <laughs> with, with penalty, uh, penalty gain. Uh, you, you, I mean, the Packers are always sky high at yeah. the top of the list right there. So I don't even want to hear it when you, when you kick with less with eight point eight points down and less than two minutes you, with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. I don't want to hear about any pass interference. You open yourself up to mistakes like that. And it was a pass interference. Sure. They were letting things play out. Uh, but you know, Crappy mistakes happen in the game. We want to talk about mistakes. We can talk about Cole Komet getting tackled by Jair Alexander and a phantom fumble that happened. Or what about the time that Cordell Patterson had a perfect hit on a punt on a someone who was catching a punt and it got called as an early hit last year? I mean, we, let's not even get into this. That, that mm-hmm. Packer, Packers does not do not have the opportunity to say that the refs screwed them. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, they ultimately they, they dug their own grave in the in the game, and you know, cost them a, a chance to appearance in the Super Bowl, which you know, I guess we all should have predicted happening because you know, just like you said with that Wikipedia thing, I mean, this is kind of an ongoing joke now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay, well, let's move on really quick. Uh, Henry Burris was named Bears uh, offensive quality control coach. He apparently was an intern with the team last year. Um, you know, I don't know much about you know, Henry Burris as far as a coach goes. Uh, but I, I guess that's kind of cool seeing an ex player, uh, kind of move up the ranks in the coaching circle. Yeah. And, you know, it kind of seems like the bears are really focusing on getting a lot of, you know, people internally, which, you know, I think they should at this point, a lot of the people that they've given up or have kind of lost as assistants are going on to do, you know, bigger and better things and, you know, Mm -hmm. have really thrived outside of the organization. So, you know, clearly some of these, you know, coaches that they have internally, maybe not the head coach, maybe not the top assistants or, you know, the top coordinators, but you know, some of these other guys are, you know, good football minds and, and ones to keep on track for the future. So, you know, very much like, you know, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but very much like Sean to say, I mean, I think it's kind of, mm-hmm. this is the new probably thing that the Bears are trying to do, which I completely understand. The interesting thing offensively is that, Players are kind of getting picked from Nagy's tree, even though they haven't had the most successful offense. It kind of makes me wonder if uh, internally within the NFL, there is some sort of level of respect for the scheme that Matt Nagy runs and understanding of the deficiencies. Because I think that Matt Nagy's ability to, uh, well, adjust how he has this season, but kind of make like win games despite having pretty terrible offensive personnel 
you know, that looks good on Matt Nagy. That looks really good. I know that there is defense is heavily involved in that, but you still got to score enough points in order to do that. Uh, obviously, this year it didn't go as smoothly with injuries and offensive line play and all different kinds of things. But, uh, you know, maybe that should give us hope that Matt Nagy can actually, you know, bring this team back to the promised land where we want to be. And I think on the flip side, you know, some people would say that, you know, the reason why we're seeing all these internal hires is because, you know, the whole entire administration is going to be gone in a year. I've seen that kind of take. So, you know, I figured I'll just play devil's, ad- too. devil's advocate and at least bring that up so people understand that that take exists. And I understand where they're coming from and that, you know, honestly, this is, uh, you know, the pace naggy kind of era. If it mm. if it turns out bad this year, I mean, it could be something that does get cut off. You know, I mean, yeah. they're not really going to give it too much more time. You, I think a lot of people figured that their expiration date was this year, but they kind of you know, got a little bit of luck, you know, they maybe earned it back a little bit by some of the adjustments they made, but, you know, got a little Mm -hmm. bit lucky back their way into the playoffs, which, you know, definitely saved them, you know, both of their spots. But yeah, now they're kind of together in this like packed and, you know, if they Mm -hmm. don't perform this year, you know, you figure that a lot of these coaches are just going to be going to be gone. So I understand where people are coming from that perspective, Mm -hmm. but I also think that's something that the bears are more optimistic about. Yeah, I do too. I, you know, I, I think that someone was making, some people were making a big deal about the Chicago Bears losing to the Lions about getting uh, running backs coach Deuce Staley from the Eagles. And I was just like, what level of like, (laughs) when do we care that much about a running backs coach? A lot of the time this, uh, the, when when these offensive staffs are created, it's not even so much that they want to go to a specific team. It's the people that they know. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, with guys like Aaron Glenn, who worked with the Dan Campbell, that's the big reason why he went to the Detroit Lions. And I don't know much about Deuce Staley, but, you know, maybe he wanted to go somewhere where he can make a little bit more of a name for himself. The other thing when you look at the Chicago Bears is that you're not if you come in as an offensive coach you're not really going to get a ton of credit it's not like when you're the bills and you have a defensive head coach um or even the detroit lions when your head coach was a tight ends coach and he's going to be really allocating a lot of offensive responsibility to uh, the lower level coaches so it's one of those things where there's a lot more that goes into it than just specifically the team i don't i don't know if you think vic fangio back in what was it like 2016 if he wanted to come into one of the worst defenses in the nfl i don't think so it was because he previously knew john fox and there were some connections there um yeah yeah exactly i I think that you know it's very much a, a who you know and you know a lot of these coaching staffs the reason why they do build such you know these trees coaching trees as we always say is because these people tend to frequently work with each other and mm-hmm. you know it's kind of just how around. it works they kind of build their own networks and they you know every now and then you'll see a assistant go to it you know change the scenery maybe work for someone in a different tree but that usually doesn't happen that often yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to Desai. Uh, so with Desai's promotion, Jay Rogers was out as the defensive line coach. He went over to the Chargers. Really good defensive line coach. Um, I know his contract was expiring, so I'm, I'm sure the Bears would have probably liked to keep him. Uh, but I understand why he made that move to the Chargers. Probably, you know, maybe he's going to get a little bit more control of that defense with uh, Staley becoming the head coach. Um, and then also he could be a little bit upset, honestly, that the Chicago Bears have passed on him twice now uh, for that defensive coordinator position. Maybe looking to go somewhere where he might have that option more than the Chicago Bears. I know Desai was pretty heavily regarded as the top internal candidate. And I believe that's the reason why Jay Rogers left a couple of days before Desai's promotion. They probably told Jay Rogers, hey, listen, if we go internal, we're going with Desai. Uh, do whatever is best for you. Nonetheless, it's going to be a massive hit. We're going to need to really find someone good to replace him uh, at that defensive line coach. And then we also lost Ted Monacino, uh, linebackers coach. I think that was a a purposeful lose. Uh, I do not think the Chicago Bears were happy with the linebacker play over the past couple of years. Um, You know, it just it it seemed like a pretty big hit uh, for the Chicago Bears when we obviously lost Staley, uh, who was Back, back when uh, coaching Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. 
And I know it's really interesting because it seemed like there was mixed feelings about the Desai hiring. First thing that I want to say is that internal candidates are never going to be really all that interesting of a hire and there's much and he's not experienced so there's much less on film that being said that's also how you can get some of the best coordinators um i mean we want to look at staley if we hired staley back in 2019 uh when back when we hired chuck pagano a lot of people would probably be just as you know upset i guess yeah it's not with, a, with it like a it's just not a it's not a riveting like high headline uh-huh. or anything you know yeah and and it's weird because some people try to associate him more with uh, with Mark Tressman back when he because he technically came in as like an intern under Tressman, uh, but he I, I think what people don't understand is schematically he's like Vic Fangio and he's learned his scheme from Vic Fangio and he's he he's really considered from the Vic Fangio tree. It's very common in these guys' early years that they just find whatever team they can go to to start off their career and then later they're able to kind of tailor pick which team once they get a little bit of a reputation uh, they want to learn from and Vic Fangio was Desai's guy he also I think I think what's really intriguing about Desai is a you know Sam Acho he 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 went on Twitter saying that he has a really good personality uh he uh he's really really smart last year he was the guy making a lot of the adjustments at the half which is something that really intrigues me because the Bears played way better defense in the second half of games. So clearly he was doing a pretty good job at that. Um, and Vic Fangio thought he w- was doing an amazing job with the Bears and he tried to steal them. Uh, and then one other thing that Aiko said was uh, personnel. Uh, Vic Fangio, you know, the team was kind of t- one of the issues last year or with Chuck Pagano is that the scheme was the players picked were highly uh highly picked for Vic Fangio's scheme and they weren't necessarily the best fits for Pagano's scheme. So it was kind of Pagano trying to run an offense or a defense and then also trying, trying to find ways to, you know, tailor these players to his scheme. Now everyone can relax and they're just going to be the right players again, which I think is a, a benefit for sure. Yeah. I think that, you know, a lot of people can kind of rejoice that hopefully we will see a little more of an aggressive scheme, very much, you know, what we were used to seeing in 2018 and years prior with Vic Fangio. So I think that's a definitely a big win. And, you know, as far as like losing Montesino, I think that, you know, it's odd to say that the, the linebacker play was, you know, struggling, you know, when Roquan Smith was having some of the best years of his career. But at the same time, you know, outside linebackers specifically. Yeah, exactly. We didn't see as much, you know, production, you know, from Robert Quinn, notably, and also Khalil Mack, you know, has very much been productive. He's been a factor in the defense, you know, has played at a very high level, but, you know, just isn't getting the same numbers, which, you know, isn't the whole story, but it still matters. I mean, getting those sacks definitely like influenced the game. So, yeah, I think it was, you know, time to move on from that standpoint. I think with Desai, I think that, you know, it's not intriguing like you're saying it's the typical internal hire it's not flashy or anything but i think that little i think the defense will look better honestly i just i feel more confident that he'll be putting the players in the right situations where they can maximize their potential i think honestly that's just needs what needs to be what happens with this bears defense because there is so much talent and you know maybe they will, will lose some of that talent to some offseason moves they'll have to make if that you know requires moving someone like Eddie Jackson out of the defense or some other big name you know they'll definitely have to work around that build around that you know fill that hole whatever it may be but you know there's still going to be more than enough elite players on this defense and you know whenever you have at least Khalil Mack you got a chance and you know of course players like Akeem Hicks you know whether he'll be here which I assume he will be because he's older and he's not really that mm-hmm. much of an attractive piece you know you still have a lot to work around and you know Roquan Smith hopefully we don't lose him but you know if he does stay he's one hell of an asset to to that defense. It's crazy to say, but we're almost at the point where Akeem Hicks might be forced into either taking a pay cut or being cut, um, which is sad because I, I really like Akeem Hicks. He's one of my favorite players on the team, huge culture guy. I think that the Bears should do whatever they can to maintain him, and if they don't need to cut him, don't do it. But, you know, it's gonna it's a really tight cap season. 
you know, the cap is $20 million under what it was expected to be. Uh, and, you know, that leads to some issues. That leads to some issues. But real quick, wrapping up the decise, uh signing or promotion, I should say. Um, you know, the other, the other thing that I think is really attractive about him personally is that he's a younger coach. He's able to, he's going to bring a more up-to-date scheme with him. Um, Brandon Robinson, uh, he's a, you know, kind of a analyst on Bears Twitter. Uh, he did a really good breakdown about exactly why Desai is going to be great for our safeties and specifically Eddie Jackson and just how Eddie Jackson was just not the right type of safety to play in uh, Chuck Pagano's scheme and why we should see a massive resurgence for Eddie Jackson uh, playing kind of that robber position where he's able to just roam free in the middle of the field. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Uh, really excited to see Eddie Jackson perform better. And I just think it's going to be really interesting seeing how this team progresses just purely from returning back to a Vic Fangio scheme. Yeah, I think they could really make, you know, some bounds and, you know, Honestly, if they're able to get more turnovers, that's something that, you know, they've really been lacking in that 2018 season. The Bears just had such an abundance of, of turnovers that, you know, they're always putting themselves in good situations that, you know, even with Mitch at quarterback, they're able to, you know, have a decent amount of offensive production just because, you know, they're always on the opposite side of the field so much. Great starting field position. And, you know, it was great when Eddie Jackson had the ability to, you know, take it back to the house himself, too, and just get those easy mm-hmm. points. Okay, well, let's go ahead and move on. Matthew Stafford is officially available, and this is something that we were actually kind of hitting on throughout the season, Reese. We were talking about, hey, you know, Matthew Stafford, real chance he could become available. Uh, Just the Lions, you know, they may mutually, you know, part ways. Beat writers were kind of hinting at it. Obviously, I think the Lions would probably have wished to keep him, um, but he's officially going to become available. So the real question is, A, What's his trade value? Uh, Unfortunately, guys, I do not see the Bears being able to get him considering the Lions are a divisional opponent. But his trade value, as far as when we compare it to Watson, uh, that's going to be, you know, much lower. I I think that whatever team uh, trades for him, they're probably the Lions are probably going to get a first round pick and some change for him. Um, just, just mainly because he's been injured quite a bit. Uh, there is a little bit of a risk taking him because he's not a known winner. Um, he, he, he's just, he's a player that's, that's been good, but not, you know, not awesome for the lions. And you know, the, the, the interesting thing is, is on Twitter lately, this verified reporter, uh, floated out his top five teams list and the Chicago bears were on it. But again, this dude has had some pretty bad takes lately. And I know uh, a lot of NFL people speculate the Chicago Bears is a potential landing spot. But personally, I just, if he, if he goes through trade, which I imagine he will, I can't imagine that he just gets released outright. Uh, it, it's going to be a, 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 a tough, <laughs> tough road to try to convince the Lions to trade him within the division. Yeah, you know, I figure the Bears would have to definitely at least give up their first. And like you said, I mean, some change, whether or not that's like another like, you know, third or, you know, mid-round draft pick or, mm-hmm. you know, some kind of, you know, player asset, you know, so you're giving up a considerable amount. But, you know, yeah, basically, you know, half or a third as much as you probably have to give up with, you know, for Deshaun yeah. Watson. And he's really and interesting. The Bears, here's the thing, too, is that the Bears would probably have to overpay significantly to convince the Lions to trade them in the division too. Yeah. And I I forgot which, you know, beat reporter I saw, you know, made this tweet, but, you know, basically saying, you know, the Bears should just ask the Lions, you know, what do you, what do you need for him? You know, or like, what do you want? Mm -hmm. You know, basically just to make sure that they can secure him. And, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sold that the Bears should necessarily take that route. You know, I'm not sold myself on, you know, Stafford as a bear, I think that he could really, you know, succeed in the position and could take this offense to new heights. But at the same time, you know, they would need to make sure that that offensive line is secure. And really, you know, if they go for Stafford, I just remember who it was. It was Dave Wanstead because he was making the comment that the Bears should say or the Bears should just go into the win now. And, you know, of mm-hmm. course, he was someone as a Bears coach, you know, didn't really have the best, you know, track record, didn't really last for <laughs> too long. Um which I'm not really completely sold on that vision. I do think that the Bears have an opportunity. You know, they have some talent where if they wanted to go for the win now mentality, mentality they could. 
But yeah, I mean, I would say to me, he's one of the least attractive options to me as far as, you know, who's on the quarterback market, but certainly one that's, you know, probably the most affordable at the same time or one of the more affordable options. I think that if it's if we're talking about free agents, if it's not Deshaun Watson in a trade, then I think Matthew Stafford for me is my number two. Um, I just think that, you know, I, I like to think that the Bears have an opportunity to get him, but just realistically, guys, just like Deshaun Watson, I cannot see him going in the AFC. And while Matthew Stafford is a little bit of a different thing because as he continues to age, the you know, Lions are going to be in a rebuild probably for the next three to four years. So by that time, he's going to be like 36. And then you'd only have to deal with him for a little bit longer. And he's not like this game breaking quarterback. You know, he's a good quarterback. He he's uh, well above average. He's he's borderline. He's probably like top of the t- top 10, I would say, like closer to like the 10th best or something like that. Personally right. is where I'd probably rank him. Um you know, if he had a better team around him, maybe he could do even better. But it just seems like the Lions would do whatever they can to not create any sort of narrative of like where they have to face him two times a year and then they beat up on him. And it's just going to look bad on the front office. So, you know, he could, I think that for him, he could potentially go in the NFC somewhere, uh, somewhere else. I think Washington's an option there. Um, you know, maybe the Panthers are an option. But, I don't necessarily foresee the Chicago Bears. At least for the Lions, though, you know, if you trade him, you're not going to be seeing him for like, you know, 10 more years. Yeah, well, that's the issue with Watson. It's a smaller like window, you know, and they'd have to Mm -hmm. be like, you know, maybe they are rebuilding or like, you know what, as much as it sucks to have Stafford come in and beat up on us, you know, while we suck, you know, we can afford it for two to three more years as we become Mm -hmm. a better team. You know, it's all about what way the Detroit front office wants to look at it. And I think the Bears could be major players in that sweepstakes, and I'd be hard-pressed to believe if the Bears came with the best offer that they'd turn them down, though. I think if the really? Bears I think if the Bears present the best offer, they will take it, honestly. I, really? I think at that point, it's just whether or not the Bears, you know, make that competitive of an offer or not. You know, I, I do think that, you know, optimally the lines would be yeah get him out of conference or you know at least get him out of division and mm-hmm. get a, a decent haul back but i think if you know if the bears are kind of in just a little bit of a different realm is you know mm-hmm. what they're getting you know maybe the bears are giving him a first and a third and every other team saying you know a first and a fifth or like a player whose value would be like a fifth or a fourth you know mm-hmm. maybe they just go ah oh, you know we should just go for the biggest bang for our buck I, you know i could see them taking that Kind of I think the Bears would have to overpay, though. You know, I, I really I really do think that there would be some overpay component to it. And while I think it still could work out because I think Matthew Stafford can win a Super Bowl when he's healthy. But at the same time, I do also wonder. I just don't know how much that difference would have to be to overcompensate it. But you're right. You know, the age makes it a completely different thing than the Watson rumors where Pretty much if the, for instance, if the Texans traded Watson to the Colts, they're going to see him for the next 15 years. And that's a completely different situation, you know? And that's why I don't even think Watson gets traded to the AFC. I think he goes to the NFC. I'm still going to predict, I think that Stafford's probably going to land with the Colts. Um, But I I thought it was interesting that, you know, even, even if it's not a, you know, great source, which I believe me, it's not. Uh, still a verified guy, but still not a great source. Um, I think it's interesting that the Bears have been tossed around a little bit as far as potentially obtaining Matthew Stafford because that'd be, I, you know, Matthew Stafford on this team next year, I think that's a home run. I think that's a huge win at the quarterback position. It's at least an improvement, you know, and he's not as much of a statue as Nick Foles and, you know, he kind of does have his odd, weird quirks as a quarterback, you know, with this whole sidearm throwing thing. You know, sometimes he can kind of get into a rut where he throws some picks, some games he's a little mm-hmm. better than others. Always seems like he's always going to get you the yardage. You know, he's probably going to at least get you two to three touchdowns. You know, he's usually a pretty efficient guy, and you'd have to think that, you know, in Nagy's scheme, he could probably do pretty well. I, I think that, you know, the I, I, to me, you know, the biggest – you know, sweepstakes of them all is the Watson, but you're oh, probably yeah. right. You know, the, the the next best thing could probably be a Matthew Stafford or I think on the same kind of level as, you know, 
a guy like Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, I think yeah, they're all kind if we're, of the same thing. If we're talking, uh, I would prefer Matthew Stafford just because it would kind of go in the all win now category. So we'd be, whereas if you take Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, while they may have even a higher ceiling than Matthew Stafford, it's still going to take a couple years for them to probably get there. And then at, at that time, Khalil Mack's going to be older. Akeem Hicks is going to be ready to retire for sure. So things like that kind of play into it. But yeah, no, it's... I would be I'd be very happy with landing a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance as well. Uh, but let, I mean, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the quarterback. The Bears are supposedly going to be quote unquote big players in the QB market this offseason. Uh, reporter Jay Glazer said that um, he tends to be pretty right with his reports. So, you know, I think the writing was on the wall for this, and I think what a lot of people don't really understand about a lot of the Bears free agent moves and you know not signing Robinson to this point the Bears right now are just looking for flexibility you know that's why we don't that's why we don't really didn't really make any extensions that's why we didn't you know extend Robinson even if the Bears view him as a piece for the future right now they're going to maintain as much flexibility as they can with the cap because hey let's say Matthew Stafford does get traded to the Bears his cap hit's going to be huge you know, probably like $25 million. So you have to account for that. And that's going to, you know, really change everything. Ultimately, I, the more I think about it, I think Robinson's going to probably be franchise tagged and he might get traded from there, or they might just franchise tag him and then remove it later. Uh, if the court, if they go in the draft, like if they, you know, actually trade for a quarterback, um, and then if they go to the draft, they might extend them. But the franchise tag increases flexibility for Robinson. Um, so, yeah, I, I ultimately think that. And the Bears, if they don't make any moves and if they work on their cuts and restructures, they can go all the way up to $55 million in cap space this offseason, which is pretty insane. And then yeah. with with uh, just a, another side note real quick, uh, Brad Biggs, he also came out and said that one rumor specifically about Watson is that the Texans are looking for two firsts and a franchise player at least essentially. So, I mean, let's start with the quarterback situation. I think this is exactly what the Chicago bears need to do. I know some people are afraid that the bears might make a mistake being too aggressive, but I'm happy. We're finally not getting this passive bears team where we get this, you know, half washed quarterback solution every single year. I think I've been saying this since last season, one off season where you fully devote all focus to the quarterback position could change this franchise for the next 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, no one wants to see another Glennon or Foles walk through these doors. I think, you know, those days need to be over in order for this, you know, franchise to truly succeed in order for them to take that next step, step up from, you know, getting bounced in the first round to actually, being a serious contender for the for the Super Bowl and you know without you know a franchise quarterback it's really tough to get to that point and you know it seems like a naggy system in order for that to work you need someone who is a stud at that position so yeah Mm -hmm. I mean they've been wasting time and you know doodling their thumbs enough on on this one yeah so and and then as far as the Texans looking for two firsts and a franchise player if I'm Ryan Pace, I'm sending Roquan Smith and two first the Texans today. Like, like <laughs> I, I'm just like, don't even need to think about it. Here you go. And I love yeah. Roquan. Roquan is probably the best player the Bears have drafted since what? Like Brian Urlacher. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he is that good. Like he, I, I truly believe by the end of his career, Roquan Smith will be in the Hall of Fame. He's such a good yeah. player. I think, sir. I think it, but, his trajectory right now is certainly a Hall of Fame career, and it sucked to lose him. But at the same time, they can continue having him without a franchise quarterback and never, never get past the wild card round. You know. Yeah, and, and Watson. I believe Watson's going to be in the Hall of Fame at the end of the day. At his current trajectory, I think it's a Hall of Fame player and two firsts for a Hall of Fame player at the most important position in the game, and. While again, I would hate to lose Roquan, and I I love Roquan Smith, and I'd I'd honestly prefer to send more picks that way. I would be okay with doing that. I honestly would be okay with sending Khalil Mack into first round picks because I think this is just such an important position that 
until you have it right, nothing else matters. Not a single other thing matters. And you can find, you know, in the draft, you can find Hall of Fame talent at the linebacker position, at the edge position. You don't need to be at the top of the top, top of the draft every single year. You know, there's really, really good guys, maybe not Hall of Fame talent, but really, really good guys, perennial pro bowlers who are at that who, who can fall sometimes in the draft. But if you want to get a Hall of Fame quarterback, and while Watson may be one of the exceptions, you can't really do that unless you have, you know, one of those top picks. It's it's really hard to at least. Yeah, I mean, wasn't like TJ Watt like a 28th pick or something yeah, like that? Yeah, 29th or? pick, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. just kind of an example. You can pick up some of these guys that are, honestly, they can be that franchise player at that position and you don't need to to trade up like crazy to you could even trade down to get him. Yeah. And you know, there's, it, it would, it would suck to get, give up someone like Mac again was my favorite player in the NFL before we even traded for him. So he, he's, he's an insane player. And, and but at the end of the day, you know, you know, maybe we could sign the bud Dupree in free, in free agency <laughs> and try to get a little bit of pass rush from him. But at the end of the day, this quarterback, back position is what the franchise is made off of. But I honestly think that Roquan Smith has more value right now than Khalil Mack in a trade just because he's so young. That's There's honestly probably some truth to that. And, you know, with the leap that he made this year, if he can continue to perform at this level for three to four more years, that it'll surely be enough to get him into the Hall of Fame conversation. If he can maintain it for just a bit longer, he'll definitely mm-hmm. be, you know, in the Hall for sure. I think that He's someone that's kind of going to be a, a decade-defining linebacker, you know, like Ray Lewis, like Brian Urlach, or like Patrick Willis. You know, he, he's one of these big-name guys. Yeah, and it's a, it's a shame because he's actually never made the Pro Bowl yet, but he's just so – the hard thing is he's such like an uh, – uh, when you think of the Bears, you think of Khalil Mack, and he's always going to be – it's like when you think of the, the you know – Jo- the 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 Bulls dynasty. You think of Michael Jordan. You don't think of Scottie Pippen. You know, <laughs> like yeah. like the, from the outside at least, the outside end. That's how that's how it's viewed. You know, so exactly. he's always going to be kind of playing second fiddle until he he gets his real opportunity. Um, but yeah, I you know this is what we need to do. This is the path we need to go down. I hope that we get some more clarity on some of these player contracts over the next week or so. You know, the franchise after the Super Bowl, you know, the franchise tag deadline comes up real quick. And then all of a sudden you get into the trade territory and then all of a sudden you get into free agency. And until after free agency, there's a bit of a gap to the draft, but it's going to be really awesome to kind of see that play out. This is going to be huge for the Chicago Bears. And I also warn uh, warn people because this might be a a two-step quarterback solution. So even if you don't like who we get in free agency or if we trade for someone, like let's say we trade for like, I don't know, Marcus Mariota. It's probably not going to just be Marcus Mariota. I, you can assume then the Bears are going to be moving up in the draft. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And there's definitely some other minor names out there that, you know, maybe even someone like Derek Carr will become available, which is kind that's of intriguing. It's, you know, th- there's other players moving out there. I know, <laughs> not saying the Bears should get him at all. I don't, I think he'd be the last person, but someone like Jared Goff, I think, is. <laughs> someone the Rams are trying to pawn off desperately so I think they are trying to sell him I think they'll probably give you a couple picks if you take them from him <laughs> they'll take him for a nickel up. you know yeah yeah honestly they'll I mean it's kind of funny I, I remember when the Texans sent Brock Osweiler to the Browns and a second round pick for like a fourth round pick in return so they sent their starting quarterback and a second round pick for a lower pick I know technically I know technically that's against the rules, but the NFL loves to selectively enforce rules. So nothing happened from that. Um, But okay, let's go ahead and, you know, on the final topic, we're going to be, you know, reviewing back at the Bears 2020 offseason, grading the offseason, starting at free agency and then going into the draft as well. Uh, so let's go ahead and start off. Let, let's start off with Nick Foles. The Bears traded a fourth round pick for him. He's on a $6 million contract. 
You know, I think Nick Foles is brought in to be a bridge. I, I do not believe for a second that Ryan Pace thought he was the act going to actually be the starter for this team going forward. I'm going to go ahead and give this a... a uh, I'm going to give it a C-. minus. I want to give it a D, but at the same time, I think internally their view of Nick Foles was never what they were trying to... was not what they were trying to sell the fan base. Yeah, you know what? I'm a, you didn't want to say it, but I'm going to give him a D. Uh, I think Nick Foles brought some of the, the worst brand of Chicago Chicago Bears <laughs> offense that we've seen in a while. Um, the man was a literal statue back All there. All right, true. I'll change with, mine. I agree. <laughs> with the offense, you know, with the offensive line where it was at, you know, he didn't have the benefit of getting that kind of chemistry that they started to build later on in the season, but he was absolutely just, you know, he was for the taking in the backfield there, and honestly... He fumbled it through picks, and his best moment was the Atlanta Falcons game. Like that was honestly where he peaked in a Bears uniform, and or Tampa too, or Tampa, yeah. Which Tampa was probably the best game the Bears played all season. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'll give him that. You know, I think give him that one. Honestly, I think the Nick Foles experiment would have went a lot better if the offensive line didn't instantly collapse around him, (laughs) and like that is just a terrible combination. Truthfully, I think that. The Bears might have been better off sticking with Nick Foles if they had a higher quality offensive line because I just think the benefit with Mitch was his running ability. He can extend the play for you, whereas I think Nick Foles would have executed Nagy's scheme better. I'm not, you know, I definitely don't want Nick Foles to be the starting quarterback next year, but I don't, I don't think his Bears tenure was entirely all on him. No, I don't think it was entirely all on him either, and I do think there's a shot. There's a way that... Chubisky ends up leaving. They draft a quarterback that maybe is a little bit more of a project quarterback, mm. and that we, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if we see Foles take some snaps next year. I, yeah, I think that week might one. take some people back to hear that, but I think that that's a very real shot. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think week one or the 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 first couple weeks of the season, he could absolutely be the starting quarterback. Which, you know, say what you will, but <laughs> if it improves the quarterback position, improves the quarterback position. Um. Okay, well, let's go move on to the second big name, Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn started off the season really bad. Like, he he was not getting the pressures. He was not getting, you know, really anything you expected out of him. And then towards the last, like, three games, he kind of came on. He kind of was getting a lot of pressures. He was, he got a, I think he got a sack. Um, but still not what you would be expecting out of a $14.5 million pass rusher. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give him uh, I'm gonna give him a D as well. I think that next year he could be proved to be much better. Um, I don't know if it was his injury at the beginning of the season that was, you know, kind of harping on him. But uh, we definitely need more production from Robert Quinn. I'll give him a D plus. I think that, you know, his end to his season kind of showed, you know, how he could have came on with this team and, you know, where that dynamic between, you know, him and Mac being opposite of each other could be. But at the same time, you know, he did really good on the first snap. I think, you know, his first, you know, play of the year was a sack and then it was all basically downhill from there. Kind of disappeared for, you know, basically the whole middle of the season and, Right, in the Packers game, he really started to come on. I think he was a big factor in that Packers game, one of the better mm-hmm. parts of that defense, actually. Um, so, yeah, I'll give him, you know, just for showing a little bit of a flash towards the end of the season there into the wild card game, give him a D-plus. But, yeah, definitely need a lot more from him. He certainly did not live up to his contract. Uh, to Sean Gibson, you know, he got a couple picks this year. I want to say he got two or three for his contract for $1 million, I'm going to give it a B. You know, I think that he performed better than his contract uh, got him. Uh, I don't know if he'll necessarily be the player at the position they go with next year. I think they might go ahead and try to get a guy in the draft or in a mid-round that could probably replace his role, maybe give him a little bit higher upside. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go give Tashawn Gibson a B. Yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm torn between a C plus and a B minus. So I'll give him a solid B minus. I think that, you know, he did do his job and I don't think he was awful at that strong safety position. You know, like you said, he got a couple picks and, you know, honestly, turnovers are kind of hard to come by for this Bears defense this season. Mm-hmm. So they're off. off. Or he might have le- led the Bears in turnovers. Honestly, it's, po- it's possible. You know, I, you know, they were welcome turnovers. That's what I meant to say, you know, when they got him. Uh, 
I think that he did a pretty decent job. He wasn't amazing. He never really stood out. Some games, you didn't really feel like he heard his name called. Then others, he'd kind of come on a bit, be mixing it up, getting some more tackles. So, yeah, I mean, he could improve. He could do better. But like you said, you know, for what he was brought in on, I mean, he certainly delivered. Jimmy Graham. Now, this was one of the bigger surprises for me. I think Jimmy Graham had a pretty good season. He's definitely been the best Bears tight end since, what, Zach Miller? Zach Miller. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I think Miller, Zach sure. Miller. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this a B plus. You know, I think that his contract is one thing. The Bears structured it in a way so it was essentially a one-year deal. I don't even know if he'll be back next year. But Jimmy Graham, A, he scored a lot of touchdowns. And B, he had like 500 yards. With Cole Komet, that's pretty good production at the tight end position. I think overall the Bears did a good job remaking that tight end position in one season. So I'm going to give him a B+. B plus. Yeah, I think B+. Plus. I, you know, if we take the contract out of it, I'd almost give him an A based on, you know, how yeah, he played. Same. I think there's, there's a few times where he, you know, maybe faded away, wasn't an impact player. But in most games, I mean, like you said, he filled an absolute void that was that red zone deficiency for the bears and he really picked them up in, in that area and helped them I think up. he had like nine touchdowns yeah i mean he had really good production and you know became someone for you know both trubisky and Foles used him as a target so you know that's telling i think that each quarterback really kind of like to pick and choose which receivers they like to work with a, a decent amount and you know jimmy graham was was there for both of them so i i would give him based on his play i'd give him an a i think that he did certainly mm-hmm. enough you know the contract isn't optimal but you know it was the best play that we've seen in a while much better than I, trey burton <laughs> i'd be interested to see yeah much better than trey burton i'd be interested to see if they'd be able to get him to come back on a smaller deal because $10 million this year is just not what he's worth. It's pretty insane. We can go probably get someone like Hunter Henry on a on a $8 million, $9 million contract. So less than Jimmy Graham. Um, but at the same time, I think Jimmy Graham has also been a great mentor for Cole Komet. And I think he's been a great locker room guy too. I'd love to have Jimmy Graham back. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a matter of if they can get him to take a pay cut. Um and, and just kind of see where that goes. Uh, the last major one we wanted to go over was Jermaine Effetti. You know, I think that, I think he did an okay job at, at the guard position. The offensive line looked pretty decent before, really before, um, you know, uh, uh, James Daniels got hurt and then other guys started getting hurt around him. I think Jermaine Effetti really towards the end of the season though, did a really good job at that right tackle position. Uh, and, and kind of returning back to a spot that's typically considered more difficult, but he looked a little more natural in it. Obviously, that's what he played for the Seahawks. I'm going to give Jermaine a B. You know, I think it, his guard performance was not where I expected. I thought he was going to do better at guard. So I probably would, if it was just his guard performance, I probably would have given him like a, a D or a C minus. But I'm going to go ahead and give him a B because towards the end of the season, he was a big reason why the Chicago Bears got a lot more stability on that offensive line. Yeah, I'm going to give him a C because, you know, right, if he kind of stayed in guard for the rest of the season, I would probably give him a D for sure because that's where his production level was at, you know, earlier on in the Mm -hmm. season, you know, during the Nick Foles weeks, uh, you know, certainly one of the liabilities along the offensive line Mm -hmm. and, you know, remember when the team couldn't create any, you know, holes in the run game and as soon as they moved him to the outside, boom you know montgomery was getting those holes on the interior offensive line so i think that moving him back outside was beneficial and you know he performed better so i give him a c it still wasn't anything amazing you know i think Mm -hmm. that it's certainly he's a replaceable person amongst that you know offensive line for sure i'm also considering his contract considering he was making like a million dollars last year yeah so like that that's what kind of i think he outplayed his contract when it comes to the right tackle position i think he was probably at his contract when he was playing guard um it's probably fair yeah (laughs) but i i'm interested to see if the bears will try to get him to come back as a backup next year or maybe a starter that can kind of wean a draft pick in something like that i think honestly he probably p- played better than Bobby Massey this previous year. So that, that's going to be pretty interesting to see. I'd take him back as some depth for sure. I, I would, I'd be fine with that. Okay. Now let's go ahead and move over to the draft. I think overall free agency went honestly pretty poorly for this team. Um, it, 
it, it, it wasn't the best. It really wasn't the best. But at the same time, some holes were patched. I want to give it overall. I mean, just by averaging my grades, I'd probably have to give it like a C minus or D plus. Yeah, I think that's probably fitting. Yeah. Okay, and let's go ahead and move over to the draft, which was really the 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 big part of last offseason that the Bears did really well in. Um, Cole Komet, first pick that they had, you know, obviously Cole, and with many rookie tight ends, it's a, it, it's definitely uh, it's a hard position to 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 play as a rookie in your first year. I think given everything, Cole Komet flashed quite a bit. He started to come on more during the the season. Uh, I by no means do I think he's a bust. He's definitely the best tight end that Ryan Pace has drafted. I'm going to go ahead and give him a B plus. You know, I think that he's, he's going to have a bright future with us. I know statistically it, it it's not going to be the best, but he did show a lot of ability, especially run after the catch ability that I thought was really good. Yeah, I'll give him a B. I think that he did everything that was asked of him. I just, I wish the Bears would ask a little bit more of him. I, I think that, you know, mm-hmm. they do a lot of things short and underneath with him, which is great. He does really well in those positions, but you know, to kind of just, keep making him more dynamic you know it's just going to increase his value increase his worth to the team i mean he does good at blocking and you know slipping out into the flat and occupying that area but it'd be nice if they could get him on a nice corner and you know really start like you said with you know jimmy graham as a mentor you know utilize some more aspects of the field and you know maybe hit some some deeper strikes which you know wasn't trubisky's strength yeah so there's a little bit of a question as to how much he could have done better with a different quarterback, maybe different offense. Uh, obviously, he's a victim of what's around him as well, especially at that tight end position. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that B, B-plus area is kind of, a, kind of a sweet spot for him. Jalen Johnson, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give him an A-. minus. I mean, really, I think it's a home run hit for the Chicago Bears, especially late in the second round. Um, huge fan of Jalen Johnson. I know that he did get a little injured, which is honestly the reason why I'm marking him down, but he's, he pretty much had almost a flawless season if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I would give him an A. I think that, you know, he had a really good rookie year and he was asked a lot. got put into a lot, a lot of tough matchups, which, you know, he usually lived up to the test. There's a couple apparent weaknesses in his game, but at the same time, he was not getting burned that frequently so I, I think that he he played really well it's unfortunate that he had to miss kind of the most important games of the year but you know that's how it goes sometimes and mm-hmm. uh, you know at least he was able to play the majority of the year absolutely um i think the biggest thing for him is just being locked down he's he's not good he's not super flashy but he's someone that you put him out there and i mean how many times did someone i mean i think his worst game was probably the panthers game funny enough it was pretty interesting but ultimately, I mean, it did not seem like teams were that inclined to even throw at him. So that's kind of cool, yeah. especially for a rookie. Uh, exactly. Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney in the fifth round. That's a home run A-plus pick. Uh, even towards the end of the year when Allen Robinson was injured, uh, he really came on, man. He was okay with taking that you know, wide receiver one position, playing very well. Uh, I, I think A-plus is a, is a very strong grade, and I think Darnell Mooney deserves it. Yeah, I'd have to agree, especially at that value at where he was picked. I think he played played really well and honestly was underutilized in some games, uh, you know, missed on a decent amount of throws. So his production could have been even higher, which is kind of crazy to say because he did put up some some very solid numbers at that, you know, wide receiver three position. Kendall Vildor. Um, this one's a little bit difficult to grade because he got brought out and put in kind of a tough position, I would say. Ultimately, I'm going to give it a C plus because I think when he was out there, he wasn't playing like a fifth round pick. I think he was playing better than that. And I think he showed a couple, you know, really good instances of good instincts, you know, aggressive coverage. Uh, he almost had a massive pick, but he dropped it. I think he dropped two picks. Um, so that's going to kind of grab him down. But for a fifth round, a fifth round rookie, I mean, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll honestly give him a B. I think that, you know, he probably should have had two picks on the year, put himself into some good positions, you know, for what we got to see of him, which wasn't awful a lot. But, you know, some more as the season went on, you know, I definitely like what I saw. Travis Gibson. Now, we didn't see him much this year, um, but the 
the good thing is though is that he did start getting in the rotation towards the end of the season and uh he was getting some pressures you know i don't think he got a sack but he was showing some explosiveness uh, i think he shows all the traits that we saw coming out of college i'm gonna give him it's it's really hard to grade someone like him um, but i'm gonna go ahead and give him you know i'm gonna give him a b minus i think that he for the time that we got to see him he performed above his draft status yeah i think i'd probably give him a c plus i think that you know it was a shame that we didn't get to see him too much i you know i did like what you saw i feel like he gets some good penetration uh you know a good interior stop gap i feel like you know i think he's got some versatility as well and definitely want to see more of him but you know, I think what I saw, I'd give him a solid C plus because he didn't make any huge impact plays, but you know, I felt like he was always in the right position. Now, overall, with this draft, I think it's kind of an interesting one to grade. Um, to think about it, we have three starters currently from the draft, and we have a good shot of Kendall Vildor becoming our starting slot cornerback next year, which I think is, is even a better role for his skill set. I got to give it an A minus. I think the Bears did a really good job in this draft, especially yeah, with limited draft capital. I would agree with the A minus. I think that, you know, having starting the second round and pulling as many impact players as they did, I think what, maybe they only had six or seven picks overall. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about the seventh round picks that they made, uh, you know, just because they didn't really <laughs> splash on, make that much of an impact. I think that it, it is an A minus. It was, it was a good class. Um, and, and it filled some holes while also getting some some players with some real value, which you know you really can't ask for too much more than that. Absolutely, and they didn't even have a fourth round pick. I don't think, if I remember correctly, yeah, no fourth round pick. All they had were twos and then fifth round picks. So I mean, that's that, that's actually really good draft. I, I might even upgrade mine to like an A because I, that considering the limited draft capital. Walking away with three starters, potentially four starters next year. I mean, that's that's a good job. That's a good job. Um, but yeah, any any final thoughts on the draft class, Reese? No, I think that's really uh, about it. I think you know the only other thing you could watch to see if you know players that are available when Comet was drafted end up coming on. So mm. players like Hurst, Claypool you know, was available. So that's yeah. that's a little bit of a markdown, I guess. Uh, you're right. You're right. The, but we'll we'll see. I mean, it's kind of more of a future thing. I mean, we'll have mm-hmm. to see how you know some of these other players panned out. But yeah, right now it certainly looks like it was a a good haul for sure. And com- the the other thing with Combat is that it's going to take a while to truly understand where he's at. Obviously, with guys like Darnell Mooney too, he could become a stud. Really, we're just going to have to see how that plays out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's about it this yep. week. Um, no football this weekend. Uh, for the first time in a while uh, since the Pro Bowl is not going to unfortunately be played. Normally, I love watching that game. Of course. Uh, uh. <laughs> obviously, being satirical there. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, it's sad to see that the season came to a close the way it did, but it's going to be fun watching the Super Bowl. Terrible uniform matchup, uh, I think, is what people are saying on Twitter. The The Bucks uniforms and the Kansas City Chiefs uniforms are going to be look pretty gross on the field together. Uh, but you know, I, I, you know, I don't really, I don't want to dwell or talk too much upon it cause we can talk about it next week, but I think that it's going to be one of the better Super Bowls that we've seen in a while. So mm-hmm. I can care less about the uniforms, <laughs> old goat versus the new goat people are saying. So it, exactly. it, it, it's pretty cool. I think personally, I'm going to put it out here right now. I think that Kansas city is going to win, but we're going to have to see. Okay. Well, I was going to take the buck, so I guess we, oh, okay. we'll talk about that more in the next one. So For sure. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and bear down. Bear down.